Good morning. How's everybody doing? A little wet stuff. All right. Uh, I think Chad this morning just did an exceptional job in, in leading us into uh, what God's Word is going to teach us today, this idea of, of being loved by God. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Just hold on to that, that, those last thoughts of that song as we, as we move forward in this. This is the second week in the book of Romans. Uh, last week, we looked at uh, pretty much five verses, one through five. In these verses, Paul, Paul makes his initial introduction. He's never been to Rome. He wants to go there, and he wants the church to support his mission to Spain. So in verses 1, he introduces himself. He says he's a servant of Christ. He's called to be an apostle, a, a leader, a, a messenger of God, and he's set apart for the gospel of God. He's set apart to be about uh, proclaiming the gospel, living the gospel, being the gospel. In verses 2 through 4, he then introduces this gospel, the message of the gospel of God. He says the gospel is promised in the scriptures, the Old Testament, and the gospel concerns. It's about God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Son of David. He was human. Jesus is the Son of God. He's divine, and that uniquely qualifies him to be our Savior. And Jesus is our Lord. Really, the message is Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. And then finally, in verse 5, Paul introduces his mission. Through the grace of God, the mission is to bring about the obedience of faith, trust and obedience in God among all the nations, to all peoples, for the sake of His name, for the sake of Jesus's, for the sake of God's glory. That was Paul's introduction. We went through it last week. Himself, his message, his mission. And what is clear, if, as we talk through it and as you read through it, as you study it, is that Paul knows that it's only because of God's work in and through him that he is who he is, that he does what he, that what he does what he does. Paul emphasizes God's sovereignty and grace at work in his own life. So when he continues into the two verses we'll look at today, verses 6 and 7, to describe his readers in Rome and really all Christians throughout history, including us. He emphasizes God's sovereignty and God's grace in our lives. The focus continues to be on, on what God does in the lives of His people. There are two important things that are true for all believers. And Paul describes them about the Roman Christians and they're true about us. And first, the first is we are called by God. We are called by God. In verse 5, as we talked about last week, he describes his mission to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. And in verse 6, he includes the Roman believers in this mission. He says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. Through this letter, and when Paul visits them in person, he, he seeks to bring about the obedience of faith in the church in Rome. This says that the, his ministry is more than proclaiming the gospel, just going around sharing the truth about Christ. People accept it, and he moves on. His ministry is making disciples, helping the church grow in their obedience of faith, their trust and obedience in the Lord. 
But notice how he describes the church in Rome. He says, you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And then in verse 7, he adds, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Twice in these two verses, Paul says that the Roman believers are called. And this clearly, uh, this call clearly is coming from God. God is calling. Now when we talk about being called, as Tom mentioned this morning, sometimes we're talking about his call to a specific ministry, a specific occupation, like God uh, called me to be a missionary or a pastor, or God called me to be a high school teacher, a doctor, a businessman. In verse 1, Paul says he was called specifically to be an apostle, a leader in the, in the early church. Other times, we talk about God calling us to a specific thing, to do something specifically. I had a friend who said, uh, approached a, a woman that he knew, and he said, uh, God called me to marry you. And she said, well, when he calls me, I'll let you know. The point is, we can use the word call to refer to God's, God's will for our lives. God calls us to go in this direction and that direction, calls, uh, calls us to do this or, or even to be this. But in verse 6 and 7, as Paul describes God's call to the Christians in Rome, he's speaking, I think, I believe, about that initial call to salvation. This is the call God makes to every Christian throughout history called to not do something, not even to be something, but to belong to someone. Called to belong to Jesus Christ and called to be saints. Now we're going to get to what it means to belong to Christ and what it means to be a saint shortly. But first I want us to just grasp this idea that you're called. That God has called you. That word called means uh, simply to invite, to invite. In the last two years, uh, both of my kids, my children, my adult children, uh, thankfully they're adults, they got married. And part of that process leading up to the wedding was to decide who to invite. You know, you have your A list, your B list, even your C list. You have to consider the size of the church, the venue, the reception location. It's very complicated. Relationships. But the thing is, ultimately, with the help of their loving parents, the ones getting married choose who to invite. And then they call them. They send out invitations to the wedding. And in a similar way, God chooses who's invited. God's is sovereign over who He calls. It's God's grace that sends out the invitations. Now, have you ever uh, experienced this? Uh, there's a wedding going on, you hear about it, and you realize, hey, I, was, nope, I wasn't invited. And you thought you should be invited. It's a little hurtful, right? You start listening in your mind, your mind starts generating all the reasons that you should have been invited. I've known the family for years. I went to high school with the groom. I, I always send them a Christmas card. What's up? Now, I don't c- claim to know who. I don't claim to know how many. I don't claim to know why God calls, why God invites. But I do kn- know this. 
No one deserves to receive that invitation. No one deserves to be called. I hope that doesn't come as a shock to you. I, I hope you're not in your mind listing reasons why, well, well but I do. You, you don't know me. I, I'm better than most people. I, I try to live by the golden rule. I do this or that or the other thing uh, that makes me a good person. I hope that's not what goes on in your mind because the Bible teaches all have sinned. In Romans, in fact, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us deserve to be invited by God. Paul's going to spend the bulk of, we're gonna, we're gonna, we, might, we might get overwhelmed by this, uh, he's going to spend the bulk of chapters 1 through 3 driving this truth home over and over that all have sinned. No one deserves to be called by God. None of us deserve to be invited into God's kingdom into His presence, into relationship with Him. Therefore, and this is so important, this is crucial to understand. To understand what God does for us. God's call, God's invitation is based not on who we are. It's not based on what we do. But it's based on His sovereign will. It's based on His grace and His love. That's what Paul writes to his disciple Timothy. He says, God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Why does God call? Because of His own purpose. some ways it's a mystery. He has His reasons, His will, His sovereign choice. He has a plan and a purpose, and a part of that plan is to call you Why you? Why me? One word. Grace. What an amazing word grace is, right? Grace is not given based on our works. In fact, grace means uh, to receive a benefit, a favor, or a gift. If you've been called by God, if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've received grace. You've received this benefit of God's favor in your life. Grace is not given to those who deserve it, by definition. No one deserves it. So so what I want us to see is that God's call, God's invitation is from God, and it's because of God. It's all about God. He doesn't call based on who we are, what we do, our works. He calls for His purpose. And out of His grace. Based on who He is. Based on what He does. Based on what He will accomplish. That's His call. Now let's look specifically at what He calls us to. What He calls us into. Yes, He calls us to salvation. But what does that look like? Paul says first, we are called into relationship with Christ. This is amazing stuff. God's initial calling on our life is a call into relationship with Jesus. Verse 6 again, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Called to belong. You've been called to belong. If you feel out of place, if, if, if you don't know where you fit in, you're called to belong to Jesus Christ. Belonging to Jesus means being in relationship with Jesus. Paul, in his introduction to the church in Corinth, says something similar. He says, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship, into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Think about this for a moment. Just let it sink in. Let it go deep into your soul. Can there be anything more profound than being called, invited into relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord? How can we even comprehend such an amazing thing? Well, the Bible helps us with that. It gives us an illustration to help us understand. And that illustration is of marriage. And I know some marriages are not great. but So, so uh, set that aside and think about marriage like God intended it to be. And in this marriage, Jesus is the groom and we, the church, are the bride. The bride of Christ. In Revelation 19.7 we read, Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb. Jesus Christ has come. And His bride, the church, has been made ready, has made herself ready. So if we're the bride of Christ, then the call to belong to, to be in fellowship with Christ, that's a marriage proposal. God proposes, He invites us, He calls us into relationship with His Son. It's a marriage arranged by the groom's father. How many... uh, How many women here remember when their husband proposed to to them? Think about that for a a minute. Think about what that meant. I think Christina actually proposed to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, He was asking you when he proposed to be part of his life from that day forward till death do us part. Everything would change. You would, in effect, belong to another. Now, some people shy away from the idea that the wife belongs to the husband. I asked my recently married children, uh, recently, just the other day, because I was going through this, uh, Beth, my daughter, and Ashley, my daughter-in-law, I said, how would you feel if I say, you belong to Chris, you belong to Michael? And they go, "Uh, I don't know if that sits very well. I belong... Beth spoke up. She says, I belong to the Lord. I go, amen, sister. <laughs> then I said, well, what if I said this? You belong to one another. Oh, that, that sounds better. That sounds better. We like that. Okay. And, and no matter what, how we feel about this idea of wives belonging to husbands or belonging to one another, we can't shy away from the fact that we are called to belong to Christ. When God calls, when God calls, God proposes, this is His proposal. Just let me give you a a few examples of this proposal. I think it's stated over and over throughout the New Testament. Matthew 16, 14. If anyone would come after me, be part of my, uh, my bride, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Belonging to Jesus means we deny ourselves and we follow Him, even if it means death. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Talked about this last week even. You are not your own, Christian, for you were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ. So glorify God in your body. Belonging to Jesus means you're, you're no longer your own. That by His blood shed on the cross, He purchased you for Himself, for His purposes, for His glory. Later in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes, I appeal to you, 
therefore, brothers, Christians, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Belonging to Jesus means that you give Him your, your body, your life, your holy, you're a holy sacrifice. That you live for Him. You live to worship Him. You live to glorify Him. Now we might be thinking, well that seems like a kind of a one-sided relationship, right? We're doing all the, the giving, the belonging. But remember who we're talking about. Remember we're giving belonging to the one who died in our place. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, familiar passage, we, uh, weddings, it says, husbands, love your wives, and we talk about that, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Christ on the cross gave Himself up for the church, the church in Rome and the church in Riverside. And in return, he, 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 we give ourselves to Him. We belong to Him. And when we belong to Christ, when He becomes our, our husband, we enter into this covenant relationship with Him, and He protects us. And He provides for us. He provides us with many things initially. With the initial forgiveness of our sins. He provides us and He protects us by clothing us with His righteousness. So much more. And Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We belong to Him, but we belong in relationship, in fellowship with Him. The greatest benefit of belonging to Christ is you get Christ. You're in fellowship with Christ. We will be for all eternity the bride of Christ. So, just to put a perspective on it, no matter what you're facing in this life, know this. You, right now, who are called by God, who belong to Christ, you'll belong to Christ for all eternity. You belong to Christ right now, and you'll belong to Christ for all eternity. So first, we're called into relationship with Christ. And second, we're called to holiness before God. Holiness to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. The word saint means holy one, uh, holy or, or holy one. Living a holy, a, a righteous, a less sinful life. Let me say that. In the Bible, sainthood is not an honor bestowed upon a person by, a, by the church for what they've accomplished. Notice uh, that these saints are not a special group within the church. Paul says, to all those in Rome that I'm writing to, to the church, every single believer is called to be a saint. And we are called to be saints, I believe, in two ways. First, we are declared to be holy. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God declares, you are holy. Remember, those who belong to Christ are protected and provided for by Christ. Christ provides His holiness, His righteousness. 
what's His becomes ours. And we become saints, holy before God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, for that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We receive, we're clothed in the righteousness of God. We're declared to be holy before God through Christ because Christ took all our sins upon Himself. God made Him to be sin. He experienced uh, our sin. He experienced the wrath of God. Father, why have You forsaken me? Because of our sin. Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that in Him... Those who put their trust in Christ might become the the righteousness of God. Clothed in Christ, holy before God. So first we're declared to be holy through uh, nothing of our own, through trusting in Jesus Christ. And second, we're commanded to be holy. We're to live holy lives before God. This is what a saint does. This is what the Bible over and over commands us to do. To obey the commands of the Lord. To follow His ways. The Apostle Peter makes it really clear that the Bible teaches, as He who called you is holy, how holy is He who called us? Uh, Completely holy. Sin-free. You also be holy in all of your conduct. The God who calls you into relationship with His Son is holy. Therefore, you are to be holy in all of your conduct. In everything you do. All of your actions. Maybe even your thoughts. Be holy. Be pure. Be righteous before God. And what I want us to understand is this. Well, there are a couple things. When Paul says to the church in Rome and to us that you're called to be saints, he means both. We are declared to be holy and we are commanded to live holy lives. For some reason, probably our sinful nature... We focus on the first. Rejoicing that we've... Rejoice, brothers and sisters. We've been declared holy by God. We're righteous before God. We're saints through nothing we can do on our own. True. But we forget about the second part. That we're also commanded to live holy lives. Be holy in our conduct. And the thing we need to get is this. If God has called you into relationship with His Son. He's invited you in. If you belong to Christ, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, and God has called you to be a saint, He's declared you to be holy, then you will, underline will, live like a saint. In Romans chapter 6, Paul addresses the possibility of someone who's declared holy, who's received the grace of God, been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, but lives an unholy life, living in sin. In verse 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 6, he writes, What shall we say then to, to that? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's saying that those who've died to sin, who have by grace been declared righteous before God, how can they still live in sin? It's a rhetorical question because they cannot. If you belong to Christ, if you've been declared righteous by God, then you will not be able to live in sin. 
Your life will undergo a transformation by the power of God. You're given uh, the Holy Spirit to indwell your life. Now, okay. Pretty radical stuff, I think, maybe. Just so we're clear, this does not mean you will be perfect. I'm not preaching that we can ever be perfect. But it does mean you will not live in sin. So what do I mean by that? Your life will not be characterized by a continual giving in to sin. It will be characterized by a continual growth in holiness. What does that look like? For those who are called to be saints, sin becomes, instead of the thing we do, instead of our default setting, sin becomes an unwanted and unwelcome part of our life. Sin is something, not something, we might fall to sin, but sin is not something we do. It's not something we live for. It's not something we plan for. It's a tumor. It's a cancer that you want to cut out. That you want to rid yourself of. You seek to avoid temptation. The temptation that this world throws in your face. You set personal barriers and limits. You welcome accountability into your life. You spend time in fellowship, in fellowship, in relationship with the one you belong to. Jesus Christ. You spend time in His Word and in prayer, developing and delighting in your relationship with God. You spend time with God's people, working together for God's purposes, seeking God's glory. And when you do sin, because you will, you come under that conviction of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't let you stay in that spot. He's given you the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And you agonize. And you even weep over your sin. And the Holy Spirit working in you drives you back to God in repentance, seeking forgiveness. Seeking God's power to overcome the sin in your life. For the saint, for the saint, life in many ways becomes this battle to rid yourself of sin. John Owen, uh, old guy, lived, I mean, he's dead now, but he, was, he lived a long time ago, described this battle this way, simple, quick, easy to remember. He said, be killing sin or sin be killing you. There's a battle for the saint. And we engage in that battle. If, you, if you're not engaging in this battle of sin in your life, if you're giving in to it, if you're not... Uh, uh, if you're not coming under the conviction of the Spirit, then maybe you don't belong to Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't been called to be a saint. And you can fix that today by trusting in Christ. This is what God calls us to. God calls us to relationship with Jesus Christ. And in that relationship, through the power of God's Spirit, He calls us to be saints. He declares us holy And He commands us to live holy lives. So first, we're called by God. And second, hold on to your seats here. This is the best part. If there is a better part than being called, invited by God, we are loved by God. In Romans 1-7, Paul writes, to those in Rome who are loved by God. No sweeter words could ever be spoken. 
Now, this is probably not a new concept to most of us. If you've been in church very long, you've heard talk of, of God's love, right? 1 John 1.8 says, anyone? 1 John 1.8 says, oh man, we went through 1 John several years ago. God is love, right? Isn't that, haven't you heard that before? Beloved, let us love one another for love. There's a song. He that loveth not, no, I won't sing it. God is love. God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. That's the four spiritual laws, law one. So the fact that you are specifically, that you specifically are loved by God might not cause a great joy to well up in your heart. But I want, I want to help, help you see today that it should. You see, the problem is, for many people, God's general love is the only way. That's our first point here. God's general love is the only way uh, you've ever heard about or been taught about God's love in your life. God loves everyone in the same way. Therefore, He loves me just like He loves everyone else. I'm just one of the billions. And yes, God does love everyone. Matthew said in uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44-45, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be, may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For He, God, makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and He sends rain on the just and the unjust. God loves the just and the unjust, the evil and the good. God's love is expressed to all through the gift of the rising sun and, and the falling rain. You guys like the rain? We need it. Okay, I've had enough of it. Okay, moving on. God's love provides everyone with what we need to sustain life. And then, famous John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Ever heard that before? All right. It was God's love for all that sent His Son into this world so that anyone who believes will receive eternal life. So in at least two ways, God loves everyone. He he gives everyone, the just and the unjust, the good and the evil, what is needed to sustain life. He, he, it's by His grace even. He bestows the rain. He bestows the land. And He offers eternal life through His Son to all who believe. Yes, God has a general love for every human being. But the Bible also clearly teaches of a different kind of love. God's special love. And it seems that this is what Paul means in Romans 1-7 when he writes, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. This letter to the church in Rome, uh, to those called by God to belong to Jesus Christ and to be saints, out of all the people who live in Rome, Paul is writing to, this, to the special called ones who are loved by God. Not because everybody in Rome is loved by God, but because they are called by God to belong to Jesus Christ. They have a special relationship with God. Therefore, they are loved by God in a special way. If I were to say to my wife, and I have before, just so you know, Christina, she's right there. I love you. Would anyone think that I love my wife because I love every woman the way that a Christian should love? 
And since Christina is a woman, she is loved by me because I love all women. No. Nobody would say that. When I say I love you to my wife, everyone knows there's a special love that I have for her. It's for her alone. And in the same way, God wants you, Christian, to know that you, he has a special love for you. It's not, I am loved by God because he loves everybody the same. And since I'm part of everybody, I'm loved. That's not what verse 7 means. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul writes to, to those in Rome who are loved by God. But he doesn't mean everybody in Rome. He's writing only to those who are called to belong to Christ and to be saints. He's writing to the church in Rome. So the love that God has in mind here is different from the love he has for everybody else. Everybody in Rome. Everybody in the world. Just like I have a different kind of love for my wife than I have for other people. That doesn't mean that there's no love in my heart for other people. It means I have a special love for my wife. I have a covenant love for her. I chose her to be my wife. And I made a covenant with her. And we sealed the covenant with sacred marital vows. And therefore we belong to one another. And now, the love between Christina and me is totally different from the love I have for any other person. Even though there are others I love, there are others I would die for. But my love for my wife is special. And God's love for those who He's in relationship with is special. Could it be, could it be, oh, uh, people of God, that that's why we who are part of His church, who've been called by God, who trust in the Lord Jesus, are called the bride of Christ? Could it be? I hope you see, I'm not trying to diminish God's amazing love for the world. It's It's incredible. God loves the world so much, He sent His Son to die for them. What I'm trying to do is show you that God chose you, that you're His bride, that you're called to belong to Jesus Christ, and He loves you with a special, a precious, a covenant love. Now I know that's a lot to get out of verse 7 of Romans chapter 1, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. But God's special love for His chosen people is, is clearly taught throughout the whole Bible. And maybe the place where His special love is best described is in Romans chapter 8. Have you ever read it? It's amazing. One day, one day in the not-too-distant future, I pray, we'll get to Romans chapter 8 and beyond. But for now, let me, let me just give you a preview of the treasures it holds. Treasures of God's special love for His people. In verses 31 through 34 of Romans chapter 8, Paul is writing to the church, those who belong to Christ, about what God, the God who is for them. If God is for you, who can be against you? What God has done for them. He didn't spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us. Therefore, He we cannot be condemned. We are justified through Christ. And Christ is now interceding for us. This is the church. And in verse 35, Paul asks this question. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, difficulties, 
distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, or on and on and on. All that God has given us is because of His love for us, demonstrated by the love of Christ. And Paul asks, is there anything, is there anything out there, church, those who belong to Christ, is there anything that can separate us from this covenant love with Jesus Christ? Is there anything that will cause Christ to not love you? To separate from you? To cast you aside? And he answers in verse 37, no. In all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Notice what keeps us from being separated from the love of Christ. We are kept from separation through Him who loved us. So, verse 35 asks, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And verse 37 answers, Nothing can separate us. And the reason given is that we are more than conquerors. We overcome through Him who loved us. Or put simply, the love of God, the love of God that He's bestowed upon you, keeps us from being separated from Christ, from the love of Christ. God's love, it's, it's this, it's this it's, got its, it's got its claws dug into you, and it's not letting go. Will those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ be separated from Him? No. Why? Because God loves us with a covenant love. The special covenant love of God secures our relationship with Him. And Paul makes this abundantly clear in verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, that about covers it all, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The special covenant love of God for His people will defeat everything that tries to destroy our faith and tries to pull us away from the God who loves us. This is not the general love God offers to the uh, eternal life to the entire world. He loves us enough to make the offer to everyone. Nor is it the sustaining love that God gives through rain and sun to the just and the unjust, the good and the evil to His enemies. This is the love of God for His bride, His chosen people. His special love sustains us, it saves us, and it secures us. His love gives us, keeps us from falling away. If He didn't hold on, we would have no... You know, we're saved by grace and we're sustained by grace. It's the love and the grace of God that keeps us uh, in relationship with Him. That keeps us belonging to Christ. This is what Paul means in Romans 1-7 when he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God. And this is what God means when He call, says to, to, the, to Christians today, you are called to belong to Jesus Christ. You are called to be saints. You are loved by God. I've chosen you to be my own. You are my bride, my wife. I've justified you. You're mine, and I will keep you for all eternity. Nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Because I love you with an everlasting love. And it's my prayer that God, I mean, I just pray that this this word, 
uh, of God's love for you is, is working in your heart and, and increasing your love for him. You know, there's uh, two main applications in the Bible. And they're to love God and to love others. And, and this, his love for us should, should increase our love for him, should cause us to love him, and then that should overflow into the people in our lives. I pray that we are, are growing in our love for him as, he, as we understand and experience and rest in his special love for us. That we would know his love for us. It would give us assurance in this unsure world. And knowing His love would drive us to live by His grace, to live for His purposes. That we would spend the the rest of our uh, lives, our earthly lives, telling others of how they too can experience the special love of God through Jesus Christ. Christ who died in their place, demonstrating God's love to the world. Christ who opens the door to them that they might enter into this special love and covenant relationship with Him. That we would spend our days telling people of this amazing God who's given us this special love. And if you are here today and you haven't received that special love, oh, you're, you're a beneficiary of the general love. You get the rain, you get the sun. Jesus has died for you, but to receive the special love, you have to turn to Him. You have to give yourself to Him. Has God not this morning even spoken through His Word? Do you not long to enter into that special and that secure love He has for His bride where He protects you and He provides for you a love reserved for those who trust in Jesus Christ alone, who believe and have faith in Him as their Savior, and who give their lives in obedience to Him as their Lord. Do you hear God's proposal, God's invitations, God's call to belong to and to be loved by Jesus Christ? If you do, open your heart. Receive His invitation this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank You so much for Jesus. Thank You so much that You called us to belong to Christ. That He is our our groom and we are His bride. And we have, have entered into this special covenant relationship with Him. Lord, we praise You and we honor You and we worship You for all You've given us through Christ. Lord, and I pray if there are those here today who, who have not yet entered into that special love that You offer, that they would do so. They would, they would through the, the conviction of Your Word upon their lives. They would come to you and they would give themselves to you and, and they would know that they too can experience uh, this special covenant love, this assurance, this secure, sustaining love that you, that you offer in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us.